Welcome to PropTech Espresso. My name is Mark Hurst, a former investment banker and serial startup junkie turned real estate technologist. On each 15 to 20 minute episode, you'll hear from leading entrepreneurs and industry experts on the opportunities and challenges for the rapidly changing PropTech sector. Thanks for listening today. Grab your favorite beverage and let's learn something new. My guest today is Mike Green. Mike Green and I previously worked together at House Canary and by chance happened to live in the same East Bay City. I learned a tremendous amount about real estate from listening into sales calls with Mike. Um, so I consider him uh, almost a mentor in terms of uh, real estate and my knowledge in this in this space. Uh, today, Mike is the CEO and co-founder of Resi Shares, uh, whose mission is to make real estate investing liquid, specific, transparent, and accessible to all investors. Mike spent the first 15 years of his career in the securities business, first on the sell side and then as head trader at Bocage Capital, before transitioning into a resi prop tech business at House Canary, a leading home valuation and analytics platform. At House Canary, Mike led the institutional investor sales team before devoting his efforts to the commercialization of the Home Come, Come Home platform amongst banks and uh, mortgage lenders. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Uh, mentor, I clearly have something to live up to now. I, I wasn't expecting that one, but I'll try my best. I figured uh, a few uh, curveballs thrown your, your way yeah. just to keep you on your, your feet would be a good way to, uh, to, to make this a lively conversation. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, as I normally do, I want to kick things off by uh, defining prop tech. Um, you know, it's a, it's a term that's out there. It's got a lot of, it's used in a lot of different ways, but I think it's uh, not a di very well um, defined term and perhaps on, on purpose. Uh, from your perspective, Mike, um, why is there such an inexactness around the definition of prop tech and how do you define it? Oh man, so there's a couple of ways to answer that. And I think you actually kind of started alluding to it in your question itself, the idea of this uh, nebulous definition being kind of on purpose. Um, I think there is a very uh, self-serving kind of um, use of these categories that, that people do. I think it's, it's kind of exciting these days to say that you're ex-tech. And you know, just you, you mentioned that I was at, at Bocage Capital um, before I was at, at House Canary and the Resi Shares. And, and my boss at the time had this really great perspective on, on this, this kind of aspect of the tech industry in general. And just to kind of frame the kind of the way he used to throw this out there, he used to say that he hated Burning Man before it was cool. That was kind of, this is all part of that, that construct. Um, but one example of this was just the lack of appreciation by the Valley and by kind of the VC back tech community about the degree to which every industry currently operating in the world at any scale above one person in a room is tech. It's all tech. You know, you, you want to see some very impressive hardware tech, go visit a steel mini mill in Alabama. It, 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 it's some of the most impressive looking machines you've ever seen. You want to see impressive software tech, go look at the command center in the S11D mining complex at, at Vale in Brazil. Um, so there's, this, there's been this like conflation of X tech, whether it's kind of FinTech, prop tech, restaurant tech, you know, hair gel tech, whatever, um, as a sector, as an industrial sector, with uh, with a form of financing, namely venture equity, and with a geography, uh, namely Silicon Valley, which I guess is now increasing to some other hotspots. Um, and, and I guess I, I, I find it kind of almost deliberately misleading because arguably if you have competitors and you're calling yourself prop tech, well, they're prop tech too. Maybe you're just prop better tech or newer tech or more rapidly financed tech. So um, 
all of that background said, I, I would tend to think of prop tech as a space worth following um, as anything where you're trying to disrupt a part of the real estate business, whether that's building, transacting, managing, leasing, blah, 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 uh, with some form of automation, some form of replacing human beings and human processes, the manual parts of their job with, with technology. Um, you know, I'll give you an example like resi shares, right? Are we prop tech? Yeah, well, look, we are raising equity operating capital. We're replacing human discretion with, with algorithms. We are located in San Francisco and Boulder. You know, we check all the boxes, fine. At the end of the day, you know, what problem are we trying to solve? For whom are we trying to solve it? And who are we competing against to solve it? I think those are kind of the more relevant questions. Um, and you know, for us, we're, we're a money management business. That's a business as old as time for, uh, for, for House Canary. They were a data business that became a transaction support business for, uh, for, for Blend and Roostify, you know, their mortgage tech. I mean, any part of this, more, it's, these are process automation businesses. So like, you can call them all prop tech, prop tech if you want, but I think that uh, really answering those fundamental questions about what problem they're trying to solve is, is, is arguably more important, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Um, and uh, everybody, you heard it here first. Uh, Herogel Tech, coined by, uh, coined by Mike Green, going to be the, <laughs> the buzzword for uh, 2021. I can guarantee that. Well, only because, as you probably know, none of us can get haircuts. So I, I find myself using a lot of hair gel these days to kind of keep <laughs> it all together on these, these Zoom calls. Nice, nice. Um, Mike, having spent a bulk of your career kind of um, in and around real estate, whether it's you know your your early career in the in the securities business or kind of your your more recent uh, uh, tenure at, at House Canary, um, you know prop tech is uh, you know while it while be maybe a, a new and evolving term, um, I think it's uh, an interesting one to look at from the the, the kind of the perspective of of the importance of it right now and. When you when you think about uh, prop tech and and why it might be important now, um, what are you, what are your thoughts and and where do you see um, some big challenges for prop tech going forward? Sure. Um, so not to get like too biographical with all these before times anecdotes, but before House Canary or when I was transitioning to work at House Canary from the securities industry, which was all I had ever known, I literally took out a spreadsheet, like a blank spreadsheet, and I called it my what sucks list. I actually wrote like a title, what sucks. And I wrote down a list of everything I had ever encountered in my life that sucked, whether personally, professionally, what, what, what processes are broken. And then I kind of, you know, put a check in the box if it was a process where my skill set could be in any way valuable towards solving it. Um, and this, I, I drew the, the kind of uh, the circle around this really broadly. I just wanted to take a completely new stab at what my career, the next phase of my career should be focused on. Um, and like half of the spreadsheet was real estate related, right? I mean, I'd been a renter, I'd been a homeowner, I'd been a landlord, and every element of every part of that journey sucked in some way or many ways. Um, so I think when you ask if, you know, what makes prop tech uh, kind of important, um, there is just so much low hanging fruit to apply technology and apply learnings from other markets uh, to this entire ecosystem to make it not suck, to use a very technical term that I'm gonna kind of stick with this theme. Um, and that's why it's important. 
uh, it's, you know, what aspects of life and society are kind of in the direst need of improvement that also overlap with possible solutions in, in private sector tech? I mean, other than maybe healthcare, I really can't think of anything more important than real estate and, and, and kind of its surrounding adjacent businesses uh, that, that fits that definition. I completely agree. I think, um, you know, one, the, um, the, <laughs> it's, it's really easy to, uh, f for everybody to recall kind of painful uh, personal experiences with um, uh, many aspects of, of real estate, you know, not just the, the, the transactions, but um, the, the complexity that I think surrounds uh, real estate, where, you know, everything from insurance to home ownership to, you know, it is a, um, a complex beast that I think we um, uh, lose sight of on, on, on the day to day when things are working well, but when things right. break down, like it tends to be a pretty painful process that you, um, uh, whether you call into uh, question your, your desire to be a homeowner um, or your your desire to rent from a particular landlord, um, in, in if it was uh, in an, in another sort of situation, but uh, yeah, yeah, it is it is uh, well uh, well everybody has their you know this this really sucks uh, story right. or 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 at least you know a a kind of uh, novella around around <laughs> that, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, look, not all of it can be solved with tech. I'm not one of these uh, people who, who, who would claim that it is. Uh, I think some of it's legitimately hard. I mean, it, look, it's a, it's a $30 trillion asset class. It's, a, it it's food, clothing, shelter. You know, it's, it's, it's a necessity to live, having a place to live. Um, so, so obviously there's some big questions uh, kind of both economic and ethical around certain aspects of this. But there's also some stuff that some of these opportunities – that you, you go through it as a consumer and you just smack your head. You're like, this is so obvious that this needs to change and it can change with technology from 30 years ago. Like, come on guys. And, and I think there's enough of that to fill, you know, millions of person hours worth of careers. Um, and I, and that's kind of why I'm taking the bet that I am uh, for my career spending it on, on trying to solve some of those problems. Well, we're good. we'll we'll dig into uh, a little bit more of that uh, in in the next couple of questions. But sure. uh, um, you know, we are uh, as as you know, we're entering the second half of of twenty twenty, and um, I, don't, I don't think that there's uh, many people whose lives haven't been impacted both uh, professionally and and personally by by COVID um, over the last four four plus months. Um, and, and as it specifically relates to the, the two of us, I know that we are trying to figure out how to accommodate um, the upcoming school year and the, the you know, with, with our kids uh, starting out in, in kind of a, a distance learning format where yet we are uh, kind of uh, addressing that once, once again. We did it at the end of last year and, and now for the start of this year. Um, as, as it relates to uh, PropTech, um, any any observations um, that you that you have around uh, COVID's impact, both uh, kind of in in the current and then as you, as you look forward. Yeah, I, I will answer that question. But your point on the kids, I just as an aside, Mark and I both have children in the uh, in the same broad school district who are going into second grade, 
And before this, this podcast was recorded, I, I, I said, okay, attention family, because obviously we're all working from home. It's not like I'm in a sound studio somewhere. Attention family, um, I'm recording a podcast at three o'clock. So, um, you know, just try to keep, try to keep it uh, at like a four or below around the office. I don't have a very big house. And my daughter goes, what's a podcast? I said, you know, it's like this, this guy, he has a show. I'm an, I'm, I'm, it's almost like I'm going to be on the radio. And this is a classic <laughs> seven-year-old line from 2020. What's a radio? They don't know what a radio is. It's 2020. Who uses a radio anymore? Anyway, so I thought that was kind of showing my age there. But um, to answer your question, COVID uh, impact on PropTech. I mean, look, I've been through a few innovation cycles in, in my career, mainly on the other side, on the public investment side. Um, and certainly, if history is any guide, crisis accelerates innovation, right? Necessity is the mother of invention. You've heard the, these expressions before. Um, and specifically, I feel like anything that seems inevitable, you know, just like I was talking before about the kind of smack your head moment, but doesn't happen and, and you, you never know why it's happening, there's a lot of friction, economic and social friction that prevents these seemingly inevitable things from happening. And only when you back everybody up into a corner, such as when there's a global pandemic, which obviously has all these intended consequences, um, you know, it, it, it suddenly happens very, very quickly. Um, so the example is like when I was kind of uh, in the Wall Street world, algorithmic trading was something that really existed at a reasonably consumable scale from the early 2000s. But you didn't see it totally replace um, kind of this mid-tier block trading for many years thereafter. It took two financial crises, or really one, I guess, the, the most recent one, to kind of make that happen. And part of that is when everyone's making money hand over fist, like no one cares that much. You just don't really want to rock the boat. I'll give you an even better kind of thought exercise here. If, if my pitch is I have this new marketing tech and if you adopt it, you can fire all of your senior salespeople that are making a million dollars a year and replace them with junior inside reps making $65,000 a year and you can save your company a bunch of money. And like when you're doing very, very well, not only do you not want to take that risk, you probably don't even want to fire these guys because they're your friends and you work with them and you, there's just no impetus to do something like that. But suddenly when keeping these guys on payroll and continue to overpay them means that you have to like shutter your company and fire everybody else, well, well now you, you, kind of, you kind of get that, uh, that, that fire lit under you. Um, so specifically prop tech now with COVID, I think there are certain parts of prop tech that have accelerated and are accelerating like crazy. Um, the ones that obviously are most directly impacted by social distancing measures. So as soon as March came around uh, and everyone was talking forbearance and everything else, one other question is, okay, rates just dropped to zero. I have all this demand by people to refinance, but I can't, you know, realtors can't show homes. Notaries can't go to houses. What are we going to do? So suddenly you have, e-closing, you have e-notary, you have hybrid appraisals, you have video home tours, all this tech that's existed for a decade, but that wasn't broadly adopted because everything was humming just fine without it. Now, boom, immediately that stuff kind of comes to the fore and everybody adopts it on a, on a mass scale. Um, the flip side is, of course, and, and we experienced this a little bit at, at House Canary when I was kind of selling the come home product before I left, which was a mortgage marketing tool. If you're working on any part of prop tech that's not part of this theme, well, you suddenly got deprioritized um, for obvious reasons. You know, 
a marketing tool to generate mortgage leads is not terribly useful if you can't close the mortgages. Um, so back in January, everybody in mortgage tech was super focused on this consumer experience. And it was just, just this massive push to adopt uh, new points of sale systems uh, and, and even start moving upstream into things like uh, you know, the home decisioning process, which is what Come Home solved. Um, and that's what, all, what, what I was working on before I left. It was very exciting. And when, when COVID came in, it, it just kind of slowed that down. Now, but here's the flip side is that those strategic priorities are still there. Like you still do need a good POS system. You still do need a customer experience platform. Like this is all there, but now they're getting stacked up behind these other, these other initiatives. But kind of this is the corollary to necessity is the mother of invention. Um, necessity is also the mother, mother of consolidation because the guys who built their platform, their, their mortgage platform or their real estate platform or what have you, on a very nimble and tech-enabled infrastructure, they were able to adopt e-closing and e-notary and hybrid appraisals very quickly. So now they're already back to bringing in Blend and Roostify and House Canary. They're already doing the things that they were trying to do in January. And what that means is that when we emerge from this, the folks who were already the market leaders in technology will have extended their lead. And they're just gonna be sitting there taking orders while the rest of their competitors are scrambling to catch up. So that's where the consolidate, the kind of post-crisis consolidation comes in and you know, the, the, the strong gets stronger and the weak go away. Yep. Yep. It's um, you know, the agree, agree with those points. And, and certainly I think the, um, uh, the, the, the ability to, um, I think uh, the the macro shocks that we're that we're we're seeing and and kind of um, being applied to the the whole industry is um, uh, going to I think reverberate kind of be beyond the when when we're when we're when we're past the 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 kind of the COVID crisis and kind of look, looking looking forward and. Um, uh, just create a whole lot of new new opportunities. I think we're, I think everybody's under the general assumption that uh, commercial is going to um, massively massively change, and um, you know uh, it's tough to predict exactly how. I think it's just one of the things that it's it's just not gonna it's just not gonna be the 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 right. same as as <laughs> as it as it was. So, um, and I'm 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 interested just to kind of see how. Um, that place, that that kind of space, really plays out in this in this future environment because it's um, just a, a fascinating uh, time to be uh, kind of observing this, this these these big changes, which um, you know um, were were perhaps happening at a at a pace that was tough to identify before, but it's going to be really visible um, uh, during the next couple of years as as we move out of this. Sure. If only I could not have to live through it, I'd be fascinated to read it in a history book. But uh, unfortunately, we, we kind of have to do both at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, Mike, I, I can't end our episode without kind of giving my, uh, my listeners the chance to learn more about Resi Shares, uh, which you recently co-founded. Uh, what are you able to divulge uh, to us um, today? Sure. Um, so... What Resi Shares is trying to do is, is actually focused on an entirely different segment of the, the prop tech space than what we've been discussing today. Uh, and that's the investing side. So the, the challenge that um, I think investors in real estate face or, or would be investors 
in real estate's uh, face is there's a dearth of options as compared with any other asset class. So this is one of those classic cases in, in entrepreneuria of I wanted this product to exist, so I decided to build it. Um, if I, as someone who is sadly not an ultra high net worth individual yet, um, <laughs> want to invest in real estate, I have really two choices. So on the one hand, I could buy a rental property, but you know, uh, a rental property has a lot of attendant difficulty associated with it. I'm probably going to buy it in my town because that's what I know. Uh, my, my town, I live in the Bay Area. You know, I, I don't have a spare $2 million sitting around. So that's, that's somewhat limiting. Um, not just because of the ticket size, but also even if I did have that money, there's a single asset risk. I'm doubling down on the exposure of my primary residence. Um, and not for nothing, cap rates in this area are abysmal compared with everything else. So it's very limiting in terms of what I can go after. At the other end of the spectrum, the far end of the spectrum, uh, I could buy one of literally three real estate investment trusts uh, publicly. There's Invitation Homes, American Homes to Rent, and Front Yard Residential. And for what it's worth, those folks have done a great job. Um, certainly nothing against those platforms. They've, they've really paved the way for a firm like ResiShares to exist. But they are what they are. They are an actively managed, diversified REIT focused on cash flow generation, the same way that a commercial real estate kind of you know, core reach strategy would work. And if you want that, great. But there still exists, I think, a very large open space between those two extremes for something that would be most closely analogous to, for instance, iShares sector ETFs. And specifically, the way that maps, uh, instead of thinking of industry sectors with, with equities or, or, or different you know, states for municipal bonds, would be geographic geographically kind of regional local REITs that track a specific geography. And the research we've done suggests that the way to do that is around the metropolitan statistical area, the MSA. So this ends up solving the problem that, um, that Robert Schiller was trying to solve when he built uh, the Case Schiller Index and its futures and when he built macro shares, uh, which is how can I as an investor allocate money to a levered expression of home price appreciation in Austin, Texas, in Salt Lake City, Utah, in Nashville, Tennessee, whatever the case may be. Um, and of course, we're not doing it through derivatives like he did. We're actually building kind of factor neutralized portfolios uh, in each of these uh, geographies. And these portfolios will be backed by real assets. They'll spit out a real rental yield and uh, we'll structurally look a lot more like invitation homes than like some derivative that's very challenging for an individual investor to kind of get their head around. Awesome. Awesome. I think it's, uh, certainly, uh, uh, a, a needed, uh, a needed, uh, instrument in, in, in everybody's portfolio. So I'm really excited to, uh, see you bring this uh, to, to, to bear here um, and uh, look forward to uh, uh, hearing, hearing more about this. Um, what city do you want to invest in? I'll build that one first. You'd be, um, if I was going to, how about Portland, Oregon? That's a good one. It's in the top 50. Perfect. Right. I'll, take, I'll right. make a note of it. Now, and you, <laughs> you better believe I'm going to call you when we get that one uh, kind of stood up. But, uh, but yeah, perfect. All right. Well, I will dig up some spare change and uh, be ready to throw some coin your, your way. Very good. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> um, 
with that, Mike, unfortunately, I think we need to draw this uh, conversation to an end. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of really great information you, you shared and lots of stuff for us to, to think about. And hopefully I can have you back for, an, for another episode that we will do in person um, yes. when, when we're actually allowed to, uh, to be uh, non-social uh, non distancing, given our, our close, close proximity, but we could literally be across the world. Um, as long as your uh, listeners don't uh, mind kind of hearing us talk over the sound of, of background noise and clinking glasses, I think that sounds like a great plan. Awesome. Awesome. So um, before we wrap up, um, for anybody that's looking to contact you today, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, best way to reach me these days is either uh, through LinkedIn, believe it or not, I actually spend a fair bit of time there, um, or uh, to go to resi-shares.com, R-E-S-I-S-H-A-R-E-S.com, uh, where you can find links depending on what you're interested in talking to us about. Uh, whether it be press inquiries, investors. You've been listening to an episode of PropTech Espresso. Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, awesome, or right. wherever you listen to we'll podcasts. appreciate you spending time Learn with us today. Learn more, visit first Good luck with all these shares. And we'll, Thanks for uh, listening, and we'll be back the, uh, soon with a new episode. Rooting for you from the, uh, from the sidelines here. Thank you, Mark. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.